Take your Bibles now and open them up to Luke 11. And I'm going to read 13 verses. It's aggressive. It's aggressive. I made that decision last night while sleeping to, keep, to go through all 13. I had prepared and prayed and planned to go through four verses. But, but I see the context is important. Jesus is asked a question. And then he gives the answer in verses 2 through 13. And, and he gives the answer in verses 2 through 4 in what would be the model prayer. His disciples simply ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. He says, okay. When you pray, do it this way. And he gives them a very simple model. Bible students, take note. This is the second time that Jesus teaches them the model prayer. Some of you know it as the Lord's Prayer. This is the second time. The first time he gave them the Lord's Prayer was at the beginning of his ministry in Matthew chapter 6, at the Sermon on the Mount. Nobody asked him then. He just volunteered that information to them. He says, when you pray, lock yourself in a closet. Don't let anybody see what's going on. You and the Lord. And when you pray, pray this way. And he gave them the Lord's Prayer. You've all heard it. It's very familiar to us. Check this out. Three years later, it's as if it didn't sink into the disciples. Anybody been walking with the Lord for at least three years and you don't know if you've learned a thing yet? Okay. Me, Chuck, you, and you. Okay. Everyone else? Wow. Welcome to the party. And three years later, they say, hey, Jesus, could you teach us to pray? And, and Jesus says, yeah, sure. And he gives them the same model prayer he'd already given to them. This, he'd already taught them once, and it's as if it went right over their head. Makes me feel a little more comfortable in my skin. Walking, can you imagine walking with Jesus for three years and not learning a thing? I can. And so Jesus says, yeah, when you pray, pray this way. And he gives them the model prayer. And then he gives them a parable, and I'm going to read it to you. I want you to get this. It's a parable, not of comparison. Para is where we get our word parallel, where you lay something alongside of something to teach it, to illustrate it. And there are most likely in the scriptures, most often I should say, parables of comparison. It's just like this. That is like this, and this is like that. He gives, though, a different kind of parable. It's a parable of contrast. It's a parable saying it's not like this. When you pray, it's not like this. It's, it's, and he gives this illustration, this kind of crazy illustration of a guy who's already gone to bed and someone knocks on his door and he doesn't want to let him in because it's going to mess up his whole sleep cycle. And he's like, I don't want to, I'm not going to answer your door. And eventually he does answer the door because he's just mad. And Jesus is saying, guess what? When God answers your prayers, it's not like that. And that's not how it is. You don't have to freak out. You're not upsetting the father. You're not messing with his sleep cycle because he doesn't sleep nor slumber. And then he gives a final illustration, another parable, if you would, illustrating that when we pray, it's really as if God is our father and we're his kids. And if you have any imagination, or better yet, an experience of a good dad, or maybe you are a dad, maybe you're a good dad, maybe you have kids that you love, and when they talk to you, you listen. And when they speak and when their voices rise, you hear. And, and, and when they want your attention, you give it to them. And if they are in need, you want to help. If you have any kind of imagination of a good dad, Jesus says, that's what it's like when you pray. Okay? Don't, don't get all freaked out and overwhelmed. Because most kids, let me just qualify this statement. Most kids that are loved well by their fathers okay, are very comfortable around their dads. If they're loved well, if they're cherished, if they're cared for, those kids, man, they are just so happy, walking in, messing up everything. 
getting right in the middle of a conversation, walking right up to dad, hey dad, guess what? Guess what? And a kid who's well-loved, Jesus said, should have that kind of freedom with his heavenly father. And so Jesus answers this question in this, and I believe it's, I really believe this is important. The whole subject matter today is prayer. And right then, some of you started to stress out, prayer, you know. Right when I said that word prayer, some of you started feeling guilty and the shame, oh, prayer. I haven't prayed since 1993. It was for 10 minutes though, freaked me out, never did it again. Well, I fell asleep halfway through, so it's only five minutes, you know. Or, or some of you are, are encouraged, yeah, prayer, oh, that's what I want to do, I want to pray. Or maybe some of you here, a small portion, you do pray. You're prayer warriors. You're fired up. You're in the spirit, whatever the case is. The subject matter is prayer. And when Jesus is asked this question, he gives 13 verses, a whole teaching, contrasts and comparisons, illustrations and models. I think it's important because I believe it's one of the missing links into effectivity and joy and peace in your life. It's a missing component in many of our journey with Jesus, if you're here today and you're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast, praise the Lord, I'm saved, woo awesome. Is there a couch that I sit on now that I'm saved? Is there, you know, is there, what do I do now? Lord says, let's, let's do stuff. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the believer. Oh, cool, what do I do? And he wants us to pray. But listen, I say all that to say this. He also doesn't want us to get overwhelmed, freaked out tripped up by prayer and so i want you please with me to really think through the model prayer four verses 55 words in english not much if i were the creator of heaven and earth wanting my people to pray i think i would have given them a little more i I would have uh prayer you better sit down boys this is gonna take a while there's the seven poses of prayer First, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And then, you you know, five chapters later. Next, enter his courts with joy. You know, all this stuff, you know. And supplication and adoration and intercession. There's all kinds of types of prayer. And yet, if you're like me, you kind of start to freak out a little bit. You're like, I'm going to get right on that when I look up all those big words. And the Lord would say, no, I, I, I actually want you to approach prayer like a kid would. A kid? Like a kid would, yeah. When a kid needs something, that kid asks anybody. Everybody, over and over and over and over again. And the next day, and the next day. (laughs) And and they're relentless. And they're authentic. And I believe the Lord wants us to be engaged. So let's just read this, and then I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask the Lord to minister to us uh, in that way as well. There's a little raindrop maybe dropping on something. Can you check that out, Wild? There's a raindrop hit. I don't want to take one of those drums over there, but I'm going to read while you investigate that. Don't you love our building? There's little holes in the ceiling when it rains. I mean, who, who doesn't love that? Who doesn't love that right there? So, Verse 1 says this. Now it came to pass as he was praying. Just freak out about that. The creator of heaven and earth, while on earth, prayed. And then he was praying in a certain place that he ceased when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. <laughs> I wonder if he threw John as an illustration, and they're like, hey, John taught his boys real well. You know, I don't know if you know anything about John the Baptist, your older cousin. Why don't you? He taught his disciples to pray, teach us to pray as well. And so Jesus said to them, verse 2, when you pray, 
say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Stop right there, eyes up here. How many of you guys heard that prayer before? You guys heard that prayer before? You heard that? Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a famous one. It's a famous one. And there are churches that repeat that prayer daily at the beginning of their service, at the end of their service, in the middle of their service. There's families that teach their families this, and they go to bed this way. And even as I read that prayer, it can like lose a little steam, momentum, and reach just because we've heard it so many times. And yet Jesus, just weeks before he dies, is asked how to pray, and this is the prayer he gives them. So it's worth our time and study and effort to understand maybe how this would apply to our life in 2018. Then he gives this contrast illustration. Ready for this? Verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. I'm all out of bagels, and the friend's shop is closed. Verse 7. And he will answer from within. I like this guy. Do not trouble me. The door's now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. Now, in that culture, just so you guys understand what's happening here, in that culture, most housing units were one-bedroom units. Okay? Everything was in one bedroom. There was the kitchen, there was the fireplace, there was the living room, there was the dining room. All of it was in one place. And so at night when they would sleep, they would all sleep in one area in sleeping quarters, mom, dad, kids, all that. And in those days, they would actually bring the animals inside with them as well, and they would all go to sleep. Hospitality in that day was a big deal. And so in order that you would know that this house is closed, you would just shut that door. Everyone's in. We're all tucked in. We're asleep. And if somebody starts banging on that door, waking up the animals, waking up the kids, waking up your wife, ain't nobody happy. And at that point, the door is shut, and there is a problem this guy's not going to help out look at verse 8 he says i say to you though he will not rise and give to him because he's a friend yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as many as he needs now you study this the wrong way what it's saying is god's in bed at times he's sleeping he's tired the, the doors are shut and when you ask him for stuff he's grouchy he's upset and he's not going to give it to you, but if you ask him more than once, eventually, ah, okay, I hear you, fine. And he gets up and gives you as much as you need just to get rid of you. And that's the illustration. You could read that and be like, wow, okay, okay, so the Lord just wants me to just keep, keep at it because he's mad. And what Jesus is saying, no, no, your friends are mad. God's not mad. Because you keep knocking, eventually he'll, he'll get up just to get rid of it. He doesn't give you the bread because he likes it. He gets rid of the bread because he can get rid of you and the bread at the same time. And it's a contrast parable. Then he goes on to paint it more clearly how the father is verse 9 so i say to you ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened if a son asks for bread from any father among you will he give him a stone or if he asks for a fish will he give him a serpent instead of a fish or if he asks for an egg will he offer him a scorpion Sounds like a crazy restaurant right there. You know, I'll take the egg and, uh, you know, get a scorpion. He says, no, if you then, verse 13, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? Now, I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes, and we're going to pray. 
because we're studying about prayer, and it seems like the right thing to do to pray first before we study prayer. So, Lord, it's in Jesus' name now that we open up your book, and we come to it, and we want to know what it means and how it looks in our lives, and we want to apply it, not just so we can feel like students today and maybe underline some things or understand some culture, but, but instead, Lord, we want to learn to pray too. That would actually be my prayer, Lord, for me and for my friends. Lord, teach us to pray. Some of us have been walking with you for many years, like these disciples, and yet we would see an inconsistency. We would see a weakness. We would see a need. We would see that we're missing something, and not that we're in trouble or there's guilt and shame, but you would say to us, there's so much more. There's such blessing for you in prayer, secret times of prayer, hidden times of intercession and supplication and worship power that we have not yet tapped into. If there's somebody here today that just feels powerless or overwhelmed, it's too tough. I'm going to heaven when I die, but I don't know if I can make it till then. And you would say, you have, you have not because you ask not. And so, Lord, we ask right now that you would spark us. No matter what I say next after this prayer, Lord, that we would all leave here today wanting to pray more, wanting to connect with you, and wanting to be in the spirit and have that power source that you would offer to us. Knowing that if we ask of you, you're not going to give us snakes and scorpions and stones. You're going to give us good things because you're a good father. So even now, we ask for a blessing upon this time. Blessing upon the kiddos in their classes as well. Lead us to you, Jesus, we pray. And it's in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, we're talking about prayer today, and as soon as I mention prayer, a flood of emotions rush through our mind of guilt and shame and confusion for most of us, like, oh yeah, prayer, I should do that. I did it last night when I ate, it was in my mind, but I did pray before I ate, or maybe you ate something bad and you prayed after you eat, you're, Lord, Lord, you saw that, you know, <laughs> help me, help me get whatever it is, or maybe some people in here, when you hear about prayer, there's an excitement and a joy that comes up, like, oh yeah, this is it, I want to change the world, and this is how I'm going to move deeper in the things of God, and I want to pray, and maybe there's some people here, when you hear we're going to talk about prayer, this is your bag, this is your jam, you're a prayer warrior, man, you go to prayer conferences, and you pray, and you're excited because we're going to get all kinds of deeper into the things that the Lord would have, but here's the big idea, I don't want to overwhelm anybody with a bunch of details and to-dos, but instead I want to excite you and me to actually spend more time praying. Okay, and there's two ways this is going to happen. We're going to see like Jesus, he was in a certain place at a certain time praying certain prayers. Okay, it was on purpose. It was like a real specific deal. This is very necessary and important in your Christian journey that this does happen periodically from time to time in certain places. But more often, I believe, especially in our day, in our culture, that we would be prompted to just pray throughout the day, everywhere we go, in, in, in every season, in every place. Whether you're driving the car, which by the way, keep your eyes open. That's the time to keep your eyes open. There's all these postures of prayer, right? Bow your heads, close your eyes, clasp your hands. Not while you're driving. Don't do that, you know? Sometimes it appears other people are driving in that fashion. They're not looking where they're going. Don't do You can pray with your eyes open, you know? But wouldn't it be awesome if we decided, I just, that's my, that's my problem. I just, I disconnect from the Lord. I handle my own issues my way with my strength, but God wants me to be in tune. The Bible calls it walking in the spirit, which again, some people could just freak out. Oh man, that sounds so stressful. And I don't know how to do that. It's a, it's a joy. And I don't want to burden you with a bunch of stuff because it gets crazy. The subject of prayer can become very heavy, you know, very burdensome. And Jesus specifically said, look, my way is not burdensome. It's light. I'm full of joy. I'll heal you. I'll lead you. It is going to be legit. Times of prayer, times of refreshing come from times 
of prayer. And I believe God wants us to be set free from all the uh, maybe trappings that come in your experience. Matter of fact, some of you guys grew up in a liturgical church where there was written prayers and memorized prayers, not heartfelt prayers. Don't raise your hand, but if you grew up Catholic, there was, you had to memorize prayers from dead guys that probably prayed them from their heart. Now you don't care about that and all the catechisms and stuff. And you had, if you didn't get it right, you got your hand slapped. Like that doesn't sound like, you know, it doesn't sound right. And the Lord says, no, that's not how prayer should be. God can use that and redeem it, but it doesn't have to be that heavier. Maybe you've read books on prayer. Maybe you've looked at uh, online, studied. Maybe you've heard stories of people. I've read books and heard stories of people that prayed so much that right outside of their beds on their hardwood floor were deep grooves in the ground where their knees had driven into the wood there while they prayed, you know. And I don't know about you, but my floors don't have that problem, you know. <laughs> you know, just, ah, that sounds, ah, you know, and even James in the scriptures went down in history as you know his name was camel knees because he was always on his knees praying and the reality is his prayer is an element an element a very important element of our christian journey and yet it's mysterious and i believe it's also more dynamic than we believe or than we know it to be and uh, more free and so i don't want to burden you guys because you can get overwhelmed matter of fact um, there's so many books raise your hand if you ever read a book on prayer Okay, raise your hand if you ever read the, the prayer of Jabez. You guys remember the prayer of Jabez back in the day? The prayer of Jabez came out, this like one-line prayer in the Old Testament that nobody had ever read in their entire life, and all of a sudden some guy grabbed it and formatted it and applied it to our lives, and everyone's buying this little book, and pretty soon there was the prayer of Jabez book, and I bought it, and I read it, and pray this three times a day, and your whole life's going to change, and then there was the prayer of Jabez journal. Remember the journal came out? Oh, I got the journal too, and then there was the prayer of Jabez calendar. Then there was the prayer of Jabez backpack. Did you guys get the backpack? I didn't get the backpack. You know, people had the backpack, and there was the prayer of Jabez station you know and there's there's just necklaces and belts and pants and it was i'm not messing with you everything prayer jabez and i began to like what's going on here like somebody's being successful through the prayer jabez that's for sure and it's not me or jabez it's you know this this author and i don't want to diminish any kind of motivational material that will help you to pray as long as it does help you to pray but there's so much stuff out there. I was doing just a little research. There's one particular author who writes books uh, called The Power of a Praying Fill-in-the-Blank. Okay, some of you know her, The Power of the Praying Mom, Power of the Praying Dad. Power. I went on her website. There's 120 items you can buy on The Power of a Praying Fill-in-the-Blank. Okay, Power of a Praying Young Woman, Power of a Praying Woman, Power of a Praying Older Woman, Power of a Praying Single Woman, Power of a Praying Married Woman. I'm just thinking... I don't know if we need so many volumes on all of this, you know, and then, then the dudes, and then the power of a praying child, power of a praying grandchild, power of a praying grandparent with a power of a grandchild, you know, all this, and I'm just saying, look, I just want to pray. I'm starting to get freaked out here, you know. It's too much. There's too much going on. Thousands and thousands of volumes on prayer. And so, hey, back it up. Here's Jesus and his disciples. Jesus, teach us to pray. All right. I'll give you a couple illustrations, contrast, a parable, and a model. It's not that hard. I want you guys to tap in to how simple it is to address your heavenly father because what we really need to do is to pray. And I think the devil would just spin me out of control or spin you out with all the lies. It's too hard. It's too, too big. You're, you're not holy enough. You're not good enough. You don't know enough. You don't have enough time. You're too busy. And by the way, if you're too busy to pray, you're too busy not to pray, just so you know. You got to figure it out. I think it was C.H. Spurgeon who one time in his memoir said, I've got so much to do today, so much to do today that I have to get up three hours early just to spend time in prayer. That was three hours of prayer in order to do all that he had to do. And I hear that, I'm like, wow. 
He knew, though, if I'm going to be successful, if people are going to be quoting my name hundreds of years after I die, not that that was his goal, but that was his power. If I'm going to do anything well in my life, if I am going to be a powerful mom or dad, grandpa or grandma, if I'm going to be powerful, it's going to come through understanding prayer and getting nearer to the Lord. Now, I would just have you note this. Here's three years later. The disciples are watching Jesus, and he's praying. We just read it. After he ceased praying, the disciples, one of them says, hey, teach us to do that. Not that they didn't know how to pray. These boys had grown up as in rabbinical schools and in, in that area. They knew how to pray, like how to pray, but they didn't know how to pray. How, how, do we, how do we actually do it? Not how to, but how do we do it? And so they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. They could have said, Lord, teach us to preach. He didn't, they didn't ask that. Lord, we notice that when you preach, it's with power, it's with authority, it's, it's, it's with effectivity. People are changed. Could you teach us to preach like you do? They didn't ask that. They could have said, Lord, teach us to multiply food. This is really amazing. This could go a long way. These resources. How do you do that? They didn't ask that. Lord, teach us how to rebuke devils. Lord, teach us how to heal the sick. They didn't ask for any of that. Instead, they said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Because I believe they knew that out of his secret prayer life flowed preaching, healing, multiplying food, and healing and delivering the demonized. Praying's pretty important. Maybe as important as air. You got breathing right now? Here's the cool thing about prayers. Is that if you don't pray a lot or you haven't prayed a lot, I, prayers are active. When you put a prayer out there, you forget about it. Anybody prayed and forgot about your prayers? Okay, God doesn't. He hears them, he numbers them, he itemizes them, he answers them. The dumb ones, he just kind of says no and puts them in the, in the you know, trash box, you know, and I thank God for that. You ever prayed dumb prayers before? <laughs> All the time. Oh, man. And the Lord knows that. But then there's other prayers that you've prayed, listen, and they're so far in cyberspace and so far gone, you don't even remember them. But the Lord says, I do, and I'm going to answer that prayer. That right now in your life, the grace you're experiencing right now is because of that prayer you prayed when you were so-and-so years old. That prayer you're experiencing, that blessing right now in your prayerlessness currently because your grandma prayed for you, because your dad prayed for you, because your sons are praying for you, there are things, and more than any of that, listen, by the way, we have one who prays for us. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus Christ ever lives to make intercession for us. He's always praying for you. So right now, even if you're not a good prayer person, your knees are doing just fine. There is no calluses whatsoever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't even know who Jabez is. You've never prayed in your life. Did you know that Jesus is praying for you? Freaks me out a little bit. It makes my heart swell. Because I get busy, I get overwhelmed, I start freaking out. And, I, and if I believe it, Jesus, are you praying for me right now? Yeah? No way. Do I need prayer real bad? He's like, oh yeah, real bad. Real bad. We're all up here praying. <laughs> and it, it just blesses me to know that those prayers, they're effective for changing the future in my life. But prayer, I'll tell you what, is so important that the Lord wants us to grab a hold of it because James, Jesus' little brother, when he wrote his epistle, he said, you don't have because you don't pray. It's that important. While Jesus is sustaining you and praying for you and those prayers from your grandma, they're still effective. It's happening. If there's things in your life right now that haven't broke loose or haven't settled in, James says you have not because you ask not. You didn't pray, so you don't got it. And you and I who are ontological thinkers and know that God is sovereign and understands all things, well, God knows my problem. He sees I'm looking at it. We're both looking at it. Why doesn't he handle it? He didn't ask him to. <laughs> really? He, he wants me to pray about it? He want, well, does it? Yeah. Because prayer does a lot of things. It does... One of two things every time, if you're a note taker. One of two things every time. Sometimes it changes your circumstances when you pray. Lord, would you remove this obstacle? It's gone. No way. 
Lord, would you take care of this issue? It's taken care of. Lord, would you provide this thing? It's downloaded. What? And it sometimes changes your circumstances or surroundings. Prayer actually changes, moves mountains sometimes. But did you know what it does every single time without fail? Every single time it changes you. Okay? Somehow, some way. And you might not want to pray about something right now because you feel that it won't be removed. This cancer, this problem, this situation. I don't want to pray about that. It's probably not going to go away, okay? Well, you don't know what the Lord's going to do about your situation. So why not pray about it and let the Lord at least for sure touch your heart? One of two things always changes through prayer. My attitude, my heart, my understanding, my comfort level, my healing. Even if the situation, I love when the three amigos were getting tossed into the fire. Shadrach and Benny, remember them? Daniel chapter three, thereabouts. And they told Nebuchadnezzar there, we're not gonna bow down. And if you're gonna throw us into the fire, guess what? Our God can protect us from that fire. And even if he doesn't, if we become barbecued marshmallows, it's okay with us. We're still not gonna worship. Even if our situation doesn't get handled the way we want, we trust in the Lord. Their hearts were so secure. They were so protected and they were ready to endure the hardest of trials. And God changed their hearts, gave them boldness and courage, and also protected them from the fire through prayer, through an understanding of who God is. And I don't want to stress anybody out because, man, we can get overwhelmed with prayer, but you need to understand. So here's the deal. There's, there's four different types of uh, groups of prayer people. The first group is those that don't believe in prayer at all, and therefore they don't pray. They're non-believers. Uh, everything in this world uh, is spiritual, while nothing is spiritual, and uh, they're the ones who say on social media things like sending positive vibes or good thoughts. You ever seen that on Facebook? You know, hey, going through a tough time over here, send me some positive vibes, you know, and good thoughts. And I say, I'm, don't ever send me good thoughts, ever, please, okay? Don't, don't do, that doesn't work. And there's this idea, I don't pray because there's a whole group of people, maybe you're here today, that's where you're, I don't pray because I don't believe in God, therefore there's no one to pray to, but I have positive thoughts and good vibes and, you know, positive thoughts and good vibes are about as effective as Bitcoin, you know, it's just, you can't get anything with it, you know, you go to the grocery store, I got some Bitcoin, well, good for you, give me your money, you know, it's fake, and there are people that don't believe at all and they don't pray. Then there's the next group, and here's where some of you guys come in. Okay? These are the ones that totally believe in prayer, but you don't pray also. You believe in it, you just don't do it. You, you believe it's real, you believe it's true, but you haven't found yourself walking in the power of prayer in your life. Then there's the third group of people. This is where I think most of us are. These are the group of believers that we believe in prayer and we do pray, we just don't pray enough. Uh, we, we don't realize the power given to us. We don't realize how simple it is and the joy of it. And we believe we just don't put the time in. You know, some of you have heard of E.M. Bounds. Um, he's an author, dead guy, famous dead guy, and he writes on prayer. He had five different books on prayer, okay, five books on prayer. And when he was dying, he was dissatisfied with, at that point in his life, with his prayer life. <laughs> And I'm thinking, wait a minute, dude, you just wrote five books on prayer, and you're not happy, you don't, you don't pray enough in your opinion. And so, so some of you guys, you believe in prayer, you do pray, but you're looking at me saying, yeah, well, this is definitely a weakness in my life. I just don't pray enough. 
I, I do pray, there's times, there's seasons, but that's probably a weakness. E.M. Bounds would join your camp and say, yeah, me neither. I don't pray enough either, and that humbles me. And I don't think you can pray too much. I don't think you're going to get to heaven one day and say, man, I just prayed way too much. That was my problem down there. I mean, you know, too much time in prayer. Uh, you know, I think you can, though, as a Christian, a believing Christian here, not pray enough. I think that can, can be without becoming legalistic or dogmatic or heavy-handed. You can note in your own life, I just don't pray enough. Okay, here's the last group of people. Uh, there are people who believe in prayer, and they actually do pray, and they have a special gift of prayer, uh, a ministry of prayer. They pray daily, they pray through the week, they pray effectively, and they pray their whole lives. They have prayer books, prayer journals, prayer lists, a prayer spot. They have a prayer language. They know other prayer people. Uh, they might even have a prayer tattoo on the back of their hand, you know, you know whatever. They, they downloaded an MC Hammer song, you have to pray just to make it today, you know, and it's their favorite hip-hop song. And there's people that have a gift of prayer, though. You ever met them before? They're awesome. I have people come up to me, text me, email me. I pray for you every day, Pastor Luke. I'm like, no way. You pray for me every day? Every day. You're my prayer list. You're my, you know, and I, I have done that in seasons where I've had a list of people. Where I just pray. I used to make bagels professionally and uh, was making bagels at three in the morning. I had these lists I would just put in front of me and just go through. And sometimes I'd get the ingredients in the bagels wrong, but that's okay. I was reading the other list here, you know, and, and you know, too much salt or not enough and praying for people. And, and it's a real gift that God gives some people to pray. And so on today's message, you're like, yeah, let's talk about prayer, you know, you're getting fired up. And these are the kind of people when they show up to a meeting, someone says, does anybody want to pray? You know, you're like, yes, I'll pray. You know, you pray, no problem. And it's amazing. And I love how God gives those gifts. And while some people have a gift of praying, okay, everyone's called to pray. Everyone is called to intercede for themselves, for the kingdom of God. We're going to learn that in the model prayer in just a minute. Uh, some people have a gift of prayer. I remember, and I'm not going to share the story to toot my horn, but just to illustrate the point, uh, years ago at our age around uh, 20, I was in Ashland, and I went to a Bible study at the college there, SOU, and Kim Lewis was there leading the Bible study. Uh, Kim Lewis Memorial was yesterday, by the way. That's why I went to Ashland and celebrated his life with his family. And Kim Lewis was at this Bible study, and I was just a young guy trying to figure out who I was in the Lord and how all this worked, and, and he made us all pray. He said, we're going to pray. Everyone, everyone has to pray. And everyone's freaking out. I'm freaking out too. And so when I got done praying, he was staring at me. Look at me. And he said, you have the gift of prayer. God's given you the gift of prayer. And I remember as a young man being exhorted by this older man that God had given to me a gift of prayer and that prayer was something that the Lord wanted to use in my life. And I remember years later, we had this band playing music at our church and I always loved bringing the band in the green room and praying for them and for the concert we were about to put on, asking God to use it for his glory. And this particular band was called Remedy Drive. They're from Cincinnati, Ohio or Cleveland or somewhere over there. And they were in Ashland and I prayed with this band. When I was done praying, and Dave, David, the lead singer, he looked at me. And it was so fun. He's like, it was as if we were just talking to God. And I was like, yeah, we were, you know. And he, it was like he was right here. This wasn't a contrived prayer. It was a real prayer. And when you finally realize that God has opened up heaven and his ear is bent towards those who pray, whether you have a gift of prayer or you just believe in prayer or you don't pray enough, that he, like a father would to his own kid, have a tuned ear to you, he hears your voice. And he wants to intercede on your behalf and be a part of what is going on in your life. Let's look at verse 1 now, because I want you guys to be excited about prayer. Some of you right now are thinking, I, I, I just came here to get excited about life. I don't know how I'm going to pray. I don't know what I'm going to do today or tomorrow. If you can just envisualize the Lord's ear towards your voice, his eye 
towards your plight and how he looks at you. Because some of you right now don't want to bother the Lord. Like, man, if I go knock on his door, he's probably in bed. You know, he's going to get mad at me. I'm going to have to like knock twice. He's finally going to open up the door and throw something at me and shut the door, you know, and I just don't want to. And Jesus is like, that's not how it is. It's not how it is. It's, it's, like a, it's like a kid. It's like a kid who would come to their dad. I'll just give one illustration while it's on my mind. Yesterday I got home. I left Grant's Pass. I had to, I had to stop in Grant's Pass um, on the way home because they have an In-N-Out burger. And I just, I saw it, and I was like, oh, there it is. I can't, I can't not stop. The just GPS took me right over there. And, and what that did is it delayed my, my time coming home, and I was texting with my wife in the parking lot, not while driving, and I was in the parking lot. And my wife was trying to guess what time I'd be home, and the kid's going to be in bed, and I hadn't seen the kids. And so, you know, I'm going to be just a little bit late, a little beyond bedtime. And so on purpose, I left Grant's Pass, and I didn't get out of the car again. I didn't stop for gas or bathrooms. I just made sure I was, got, right to, got right to my house, you know. And if you ever drive from, Grant, drive from Grant's Pass to Newport, you know, you get out of the car, and your legs are broken. They don't work. You're like, ah, you know, ah, you know. When you, and I'm walking in the house, and as soon as I open the door, my six-year-old daughter, she's got her little, you know, nightgown on hairbrush, got out of the bath, smelling like bubbles, you know, and she runs down the hallway, and I, I go to hug her, and she, there's no hug involved. She jumps about three feet from me in the air like a monkey, <laughs> and just uh, clings to me and is screaming top of her lungs in my face, ah, you know. I'd only been gone like 18 hours, like, <laughs> but the excitement was uncontrollable, and the joy and I didn't resist it. Oh, get down. That's not how you enter into my gates with thanksgiving and praise. You got to come in humble, you know. And <laughs> I, I'll put out the scepter, and if you touch, you know, I, you touch it, and then you come in, you know. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that at all. It was big embrace, followed by the next kid, another kid in my arms, next kid. And I got a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 6-year-old, and pretty soon I'm like, oh, my God, you know. And that's how it is. And that's how God wants us to look at him. He will not resist your approach. He has made great lengths. He has made great sacrifices and gone to great lengths in order to pave the way for you to run into his arms like a little kid. And so I want you to grasp that as we study prayer and get excited about how this week might look for you. Look at verse 1. It says, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place that when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. First of all, Jesus prayed. That's your first note, uh, why you should pray. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. Okay, And in his 100% manhood, he needed to pray because of his weakness. But he also was 100% God. Therefore, he had a whole other level of resources going, and yet he still figured out, i got to pray just to make it today. Hours in prayer. Now, you and I are also 100% man and not 100% God. How much more so do you and I need to spend time in prayer and connected with the Father in order to make it today? If you're looking for any kind of conviction, should I do anything differently this week at all <laughs> in my life? Yeah, you should pray. These disciples are watching. Something triggered them so much that they waited till he was done. They've been with him for three years. They didn't interrupt him. So drawn to his experience with the Father, they said before he died, hey, can you just teach that to us like John taught his disciples? John the baptizer, which by the way, you'll never hear his name again in the Gospels. It's the last time he's been dead for a couple years now, John the baptizer. And yet he comes up again, and here we get another insight, snapshot into John the baptizer's life. When you hear about John the baptizer, you think about a guy who's eating honey sticks and locusts and crickets and cockroaches. This guy's kind of crazy, you know, and screaming and yelling and fighting with the Pharisees and dunking people face first. And he's nuts. 
Here, we see he's a man of prayer, which is really insightful for me, because I like John the Baptist. The guy was a man's man, not afraid to call the religious leaders a brood of vipers and snakes and start fights with them. Not afraid to be humble, to point to Jesus and say, I can't even touch your shoes, you're so holy. I can't even undo your sandals. He knew what was going on. How? The Bible says right here, he too was a person of prayer. Another insight into J the B. Well, Jesus prays, and it says he prays in a certain place. Let me just say it this way. For those of you who want to take this seriously, you may need to identify a certain place. Okay, a prayer place. Maybe a chair. Maybe a place at the table, right in front of the fireplace. Maybe when it's not hailing or raining or winding or sanding or newporting. You go outside and there's a place outside for you or get a rain jacket. A certain place where you meet with the Lord. For some of you, this will become a burden. I got to find that certain place. Or maybe that certain place is, you know, at Starbucks and there's other things going on at Starbucks. Whatever it is, find, find some way to make it work for you. I remember years ago, I was uh, studying prayer and getting into prayer and, and studying Jesus' prayer, the model in Matthew 16. He said, close yourself into a closet when you pray. So at the Ashland Christian Fellowship, there was a closet underneath the stairs in the upper room, coffee house and bookstore area. So I made a little spot for me to sit down in there, had candles. I brought some headphones in with some worship music and a journal and a little chair. So I would just go steal away some time and just light candles in there. I never burned the place down and uh, was in there just praying. And one day, I remember this day, I went in there early, like 5.30 in the morning. The church is closed and I'm just in there writing and journaling. And I hear someone open up the door on the outside of this closet is Barb Smith. She got to work like at 6.15 in the morning so now i'm in the closet in the same room that she's in the office and i'm thinking how do i get out of here <laughs> and so i call the church office number 541-482-8539 and it rings and she answers ashton christian fellowship and i say barb it's luke it's, it's, luke. it's luke oh hi luke what's going on i'm in the closet right behind you you know <laughs> So what are you talking about? I, like, I, just, I don't want to scare you. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to open the door now. You know, open the door. Hey, it's me. You know. And, what are you doing in here? It's like I, there's, a, there's an explanation. There's ca- candles and just praying, praying for you, praying for me. What are you doing here so early? Anyways, it was funny. It was funny to me. It says Jesus here. He was praying in a certain place. And I would say if this is important to you, you know, whatever that place is or that routine without becoming religious or stoic or stuck. Figure it out. What's, what's, what's beautiful for you? Journaling, praying. Jesus, this didn't happen on accident. You ever look at Jesus? He's God. He's full of the Spirit. Everything he does is just, it's just, what he, it's just Jesus. It's just what he does. He's able to come and tell the demons to get out of guys. And he says, this comes by way of praying and fasting. And it's just what Jesus does. Well, I think Jesus was very methodical in his life. And if you want to see change in your own life, it's going to require some application of the teaching today by Jesus. These disciples, by the way, said, Lord, teach us to pray. And I believe that prayer is not only taught, but it's more likely caught. It is taught, but it's caught. These guys caught something. They saw Jesus. They said, they, they liked it. And Jesus was the master of doing two things, modeling and teaching. Modeling and teaching. He would model stuff and then teach it. Parents, this is a key to parental success. Don't just teach your kids good stuff, okay? It won't stick. Show your kids good stuff and then teach them the same thing you're showing them. Model and teach, model and teach. Jesus would model prayer and then he comes out and they, they're catching it. Now, now, now teach it to us. We want what you have, Jesus. We want to see this in our own life as well. I love how after he was done praying, the disciples asked to be taught to pray. I wonder what Jesus was praying for. I wonder if he was praying, Lord, teach my disciples to pray. 
And then he opens his eyes. And they say, hey, would you teach us to pray? <laughs> I, just, I, I bet he was praying that. Because you see the fruit of his prayer right away. He's praying for these guys. And maybe right now you've got some kids that are out of whack or a, a spouse that won't talk to you or something's going on. And what do I do? Pray for them, okay, to, to get what God needs in their life. And watch the fruit of your prayer for that person. And I, just, I bet you Jesus was praying for his disciples. We see that also modeled right before Jesus would die in Matthew, or sorry, John 17 as he prayed for his disciples. And then Jesus gives them the answer. And again, verses 2 through 13. It's quite a lengthy answer in my opinion. I've read it to you already, explained it. But I believe when Jesus was done praying, brushing off his knees possibly, coming to see his disciples, he said, teach us to pray. I bet he got a big smile on his face. Now, when I read that prayer, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It kind of becomes a monotone, doesn't it? it just, it's very rote and repetitive and memorized. I bet you Jesus was smiling. He says, here's how you do it. When you pray, say, our Father. By the way, in the Old Testament, Father, or should I say God, referred to as Father, is only seen 16 times in 3,000 years of history does God get mentioned as a father? And every time in the Old Testament, it's national, where he's the father of the nations, the father of Israel. It's, kind of, it's, not, it's not personal. It's, he's the father of all, father of creation, 16 times in the Old Testament. When Jesus comes on the scene and he references God, same God, he says father over 70 times, and it's always personal. I just say that because we're very familiar with God the father. He's our father. He's our father. That was brand new. So when they said, how do we pray? He's like, treat him like a dad. What'd you say? We're supposed to treat Yahweh, creator of heaven and earth, like he's dad? And in the New Testament, he would say even further, Paul would say, cry out to him, saying, Abba, Father. Abba's a very enduring term. It means daddy. Now, right then, I just have to stop and say, are you kidding me? You want me to approach God by saying, dad? Hey, dad. In that way, that endearing, yeah, that's how I want you to pray, that he is your father. Because if you look at God as a father, you'll pray differently. If you read a thousand books on prayer, you'll focus more on prayer and you'll miss the father. What Jesus is saying, if you want to pray well, don't focus on prayer, focus on the father. It would be like driving and focusing real hard on your windshield in order to do well. Okay? You don't look at the windshield when you drive. Okay, you look right through it. So too with prayer. Don't focus on prayer. Ah, did I do it right? Did I do it right? Was I loud enough? Did I change my voice enough? Was I standing, sitting, laying down? With, you know, stop. Who were you looking to? I was looking at my father. Well, that was probably fun. How'd you pray to him? Just like a, like a kid would. My father. Hey, dad. And any child who's adored by their dad will run down the hallway and scream at the top of their lungs and jump into their father's embrace without hesitation. And the Lord wants us. Jesus says, when you pray, just look at him like a father. It's a relationship. It's not something that needs to be this ritual. Instead, it's a relationship. Notice in this model here, he says, our father in heaven. We've said this before. I'll say it quickly. It's often easy to focus on how big our problems are rather than how big our God is. And he says, when you pray to your father, first of all, it's relational. Second of all, think about what the resources where your God is. He's in heaven. How many of you guys are excited about heaven? You excited? Heaven is going to be such a blast, such a relief from all the pressures, all the fears, all the drains down here. Man, heaven is a bonus, man. 
So good. And when we pray to our Father, that's where he's at right now. He's already there. He's got the resources of heaven. I don't know about you, but sometimes I pray to God, my Father, based on the resources that I know are available down here, and they're not very good. And my prayers are pretty weak, and I don't think they're going to accomplish much because I can't do it. Lord, I've, I've, I've actually been trying. I guess I'll see if the Lord, hey, God, you got anything up your sleeve? The other day I went outside uh, in my backyard, and it was one of those weird nights where the clouds are gone and the stars are there. You've seen those before? <laughs> Tripped me out. And I was like, whoa. And literally I said, what? And I just began to freak out a little bit. And I was just at the magnitude of what God was doing. And I came out of my little problem. I have a problem. You guys have problems. We all live in our little problem. You know, I got problems. And I came out, I looked up, and I was like, whoa. And I just began to mutter under my breath, what are you doing? You're doing every, You're doing all that? And I'm down here freaking out? You're crazy. Did you know that the stars in our, our, our galaxy, they're pretty far away. We've talked about that before. Did you know that the next galaxy, if you're going to go to the, next, the nearest galaxy to ours, you would have to travel at 186,000 miles per second for 70,000 years? Okay, that's a long road trip. That's a lot of In-N-Out burgers. <laughs> 70,000 years, like just chronologically, so to set the timer. Okay, we're going to pull over in 70,000 years. Well, how fast are we going? 186,000 miles per second. Where are we going? Just the next galaxy, just the next one. Well, how many galaxies are there? Billions. Well, where's the farthest galaxy that we're aware of? 13.5 billion years away at the speed of light. Can you imagine traveling for 13.5 billion years? Just to get, and that's the... That's the, that's the last one we've been able to find. My point is, God's in heaven, and he's got the resources, and he wants us to come to him as kids, but to see him as one who is very, very rich. Imagine being adopted, and before you were adopted, you were alone, and you had nothing, no resources, no love, no covering, and then a father comes and gets on your level and says, I would like to take you home with me. I'm going to love you. I'll never leave you. I'll care for you. I'll give you all the things you ever need. There's other brothers and sisters that are part of the family. We have a pretty big house going on. Some call it a mansion, palace, whatever you want to look, whatever the case is. And I'm going to bring you to my house. And I want you to come and enjoy the benefits of being my son, the benefits of being my daughter. Did you know that that kid wouldn't say, okay, okay, one question. Do I have to talk to you once we get to the house? <laughs> that's not, that's not, that's not. And so Jesus says, hey, when you talk to the father, just talk to him. You just run into his arms. He's your dad. He's got resources beyond belief. I love in verse 2, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All of that helps us to understand that what we're praying for is not my will, but thy will. When you say hallowed be thy name, you're realizing that you're praying to and for somebody who's way above your pay grade. And sometimes you, like me, bring to the Lord dumb prayers petty prayers, selfish prayers. And when you go into it knowing, I want God's will, I want heaven's will, I want the kingdom of God, because his name is hallowed, what that does is it purifies my prayer list. And I don't know if you've ever done this before. You bring your burdens to the Lord. Oh, these are so big. And you go through them one by one. You're like, yeah, that's actually not that bad. Oh, well, we're gonna put this, okay, that's all. And, and, you just, and, all, and all of a sudden, in time of prayer, you've realized all this petty stuff isn't as great in contrast to hallowed be thy name and what he's doing. And in prayer, as I already mentioned to you, two things happen. Number one, sometimes your circumstances do change. Okay, walls are broken down, foundations are laid. But one thing always happens, your heart changes. You're more tuned into the will of God. 
Instead of my will, I want thy will. I want the kingdom of God in prayer. And by the way, can I just say this? This is a scary prayer for some of you, for me at times as well, when you say, Lord, I want your will, not my own will. Is that scary for some people? Because you're a weirdo. You don't trust the Lord. You're like, Lord, I kind of want to just let you take over, but I'd rather, can I have one hand on the steering wheel? And the Lord would ask you, how many galaxies do you own? Well, none. Well, I own a couple. You want me to steer? I don't know. Have you come to that point in your life where you really trust the Lord for his will over your life? There is a moment in your life where you realize his will is better than mine. It's just, that's just, okay. But that moment is repeated, I find, in my life too, where I still struggle for my own will. And I see myself jockeying, maybe fighting with the Lord a little bit. And the Lord's like, really, are we doing this again? <laughs> no, Lord. Yeah, how about you just, thy will, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Uh, verses 3 and 4, he says, give us day by day our daily bread. That's the day's needs. Uh, so often we want tomorrow's bread too. Okay, next week's bread and next year's bread. And I would just ask you this question. Has he provided for you today? Like, are you, you going to make it today? You got everything you need today? And the answer is, yeah, I, I do. You, you might not have everything you need from tomorrow, in your opinion. He didn't ask you to worry about tomorrow. Okay, that's what we do. That's not what he asked us to do. We're good. And then he goes on in verse 4, and he says, And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who's indebted to us. In a short prayer like this, I'm so glad that the Lord included the struggle and the battle with our sin nature. This could not have made the pages and it would have made sense because there's just not enough to go over everything. He says, by the way, I know you guys are broken. I know you guys, you, you gather dust and dirt. I know you have problems. You, you're gonna, you're, that's why I died. So when you pray, bring your sins to me every single time. Just get rid of them. Don't, don't hold on to them. You made a mistake again. You blew it. Okay, bring it. Just let me take it from you. Lord, forgive us our sins. Why? So you can be forgiven. Listen. And so you can forgive others. To the degree you accept forgiveness for yourself will be the degree you meter forgiveness out to others. It's very important that you forgive yourself. It's very important that you let the Lord cleanse you and set you free because then you will be giving grace and mercy to everyone else around you. You'll be an agent of grace. He also says in verse four, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This word temptation is, by the way, used uh, both ways in the scriptures for temptation and trial. There's no distinction except in our interpretation. It's the same word, trial and temptation. And I say that to say this. In life, you're going to suffer trials and temptations, both. From the Lord, there will be trials to test you, to strengthen you, to further you. From the devil, they will be temptations to destroy you, to take you down, to discredit you. I would say it this way, though. Whatever it is in your life, the devil looks at it as a temptation, and the Lord looks at it as a trial. But the situation is the same. It's just a matter of how you pray about it. Lord, would you take this and make it a trial for me instead of a temptation? I don't want to fall into temptation, Lord. A trial's okay, though, because I will get through the trial, and I will find myself nearer to you and more like you after the flesh is burned away yet again. And that's the prayer that Jesus says. You're in a battle. There's going to be future issues and situations in your life. There's going to be past stuff that's going to mess with you, those sins. Bring them to me. I already read to you the last couple of verses, but I want to read verses 9 through 13 again. He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive, and everyone who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? If he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, and you just need to swallow that, 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of Him? I believe Jesus, when He taught this to His disciples, answering their question, Lord, teach us to pray, I bet, I bet He was excited. He could have just gave them a quick answer. Instead, He gave them a model, a contrasting parable, and a comparison parable because He wanted them to get it. And He concludes by saying, guys, this is not a formatted deal. This is about a relationship between a child and their father. And any good dad, when a kid comes up to them, asks for something, that dad will listen to them and will give to them what he thinks is best. And if you've had kids, you know how this works. My kids ask for stuff all day long. If you want to know how to pray, don't ask a religious person. Okay, you'll get overwhelmed. If you want to know how to pray, watch a kid who has a dad that loves them. If you want to know how to pray, if you really do, this is what Jesus said. Watch a kid who has a father that adores them, that cares for them, that will give anything to them that would benefit them and move them forward in their lives. Study a kid. Kids with uninhibited desire ask and ask and ask. Wouldn't it be awesome if you just did that this week? I don't want to bother the Lord with my stuff, really. Really? He's not like that guy that's grumpy and grouchy and wants to get his sleep in. The Bible says that God never slumbers nor sleeps, but is ever-present and ready to help in our time of need. The devil wants you to, ah, I'll just figure it out. I'll just suffer through this, this issue. I don't know how to pray. And the last time I prayed, nothing happened, so why pray again? Because something will happen in you. Prayer's not so much you just getting the to-do list done and getting things ordered in your life, but it's you spending time in his presence. Again, I would just point out that in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus already gave this model prayer. Did you know that in this prayer, though, it's even shorter than the first time he gave it? In Matthew 6, he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he goes on to then say, for thine is the power and the kingdom and the glory forever. Amen. He, that, that part's left off here. I don't know why. But if you make an observation, it's simpler and shorter. Because I believe the Lord would have us to offer, dare I say, simple, short, constant prayers to the Lord walking with him like a kid would not getting all jumbled up by the seven steps of prayer and the many many volumes written by many many people but if you would commit this week even today just to say lord i'm just going to bring my problems to you and spend time with you and just hang out with you you want to be more successful in your spiritual walk jesus was preparing his boys to take the torch as he would then go to heaven guys i need you to just get this your father loves you he wants to spend time with you he cares about your needs, and he wants to intercede for you. I'm going to have the worship team come up and lead us in a closing song, and we're going to find ourselves taking communion at the table, reminding ourselves that all of this is paid for. Because somebody here right now is sitting here saying, I'm not worthy of that. I'm not worthy of praying to him, and he's not going to listen to my prayers. And based on who you are in and of yourself, that's true. But based on who God is, he says, I'm the Father. I love you. I, 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 I am love. I don't love you because you're lovable. I love you because I'm loving. I listen because I listen. I answer because I answer. And all of that was paid for through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, it's in Jesus' name now that we conclude this time of study, Lord, talking about such an important subject, prayer. And I ask in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would spark our interest in prayer and our understanding not so we can get more stuff done. I don't believe that's 
the issue. But Lord, that we can get closer to you and experience you on a deeper level and enjoy, Lord, what you've given to us in that sonship. Lord, that relationship that you've allowed us to know you in this way and that we get to experience, Lord, the benefits of being adopted into your house. And I pray for my brothers and my sisters here in Jesus' name that you, Lord, would go with them today and that they would take you with them and pray to you and with you, Lord, in their cars and throughout the day tomorrow, the business day, there's stuff going on and all over the place and there would be certain places that we would identify, but we would also just be quick to pray. Lord, in this next meeting, thy will be done. On earth is, is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Hallowed be your name. Lord, would you give me today just, just the bread I need today? Help me not to freak out about tomorrow. Lord, would you forgive me of my sins, just my debts? Just forgive me, because I want to be forgiven so I can forgive others. Lord, protect me in this trial. feels like a temptation, Lord. I pray that it would be a trial and that you would walk me through it. Lord, help me to realize that it's that it's not a friendship I have with you, but it's sonship. I'm your kid. And if you're here today and you just respond, you just want to, you just want to pray better, pray more. You don't want to be legalistic. You don't want to freak out and get crazy. But you want to be maybe even alleviated from the pressure, from fear, from not knowing what to do. Would you just raise your hand right now to the Lord and say, Lord, I just, would you teach me to pray? Nobody knows how to pray until you get taught. Raise your hand if you want the Lord to teach you to pray. Lord, would you teach me to pray? Teach me to pray. My hands are up too, Lord. You've given us your word, and that is enough. But Lord, Holy Spirit, anoint it. Teach us to pray. To be those people who are in and out of season, are just walking with you. Enjoying you like an adopted kid with their king father. Knowing that he's got a kingdom, he's got resources, he's got love. You can put your hands down. And Lord, as we come to the table, may you be honored. As we trust in you, your death, burial, and resurrection pays for our sins, past, present, and future. Set us free, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.